the microphone is on. I had a microphone malfunction to kick off the year, so I brought back up, and they said sharing is caring, so I brought you a microphone as well. We already got the comments rolling. Langston Wilson, L-Dub, thank you so much. We're going to give you time to ask any questions you got of today's guest. So, hey, welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast. I've got to calm myself down because I am about to, to explode. I am on fire right now. Super excited about today's guest, but welcome back. Season three, episode two. I'm your host, Larry Long Jr., CEO, Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. Now, the Cold Calling Podcast is powered by our great friends, Monster Connect. Rawr! They're leveraging technology to deliver actual conversations. Where's my phone? Yep, that 500-pound phone. I've been doing my curls. Deliver actual conversations. Imagine this. You're a B2B seller. Eight to 12 decision-maker conversations every hour. That's what I'm talking about, Willis. Now, our goal with the Cold Calling Podcast is to help you by providing insights for sales reps, sales leaders around cold calling, around sales, and around how to elevate your game. Now, joining us today live, coming in from AZ Zona, you're in for a treat. Today's guest is highly decorated, highly accomplished, 16-year sales veteran, four-time sales leader, nine-time strategic advisor. I mean, ooh, honestly, I got tired just thinking about all of his accomplishments. Wowzers. He's a LinkedIn top voice, currently working as a sales consultant, an SDR coach, a trainer, and he's been truly cooking up. Yeah, he's been in the kitchen. He's been cooking up lead gen, sales development goodness. Let's keep it real. Actually, greatness since 2020 as the founder of the SD Lab, focused on up-leveling the profession, that's you, and helping top of funnel fillers, that's you as well, to be great. Let's give a warm cold calling podcast welcome to my homie, Tom Slocum. Welcome, Tom. What's going on, man? I'm so happy to be here with you. We have had a journey for, what, three years now together, man. Uh, and when you asked, I couldn't think of a better way to kick this off. And that intro was incredible, man. Thank you for having me. Man, you are incredible. And uh, I like to get kicked off with, I can talk all day about how great you are, but the viewers want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> I call this the who, the what, and the why. Who are you, Tom? What do you do? And why do you do it? Absolutely. Uh, so I am Tom Slocum. As Larry said, I am a 16-year sales vet since the, the days of 2007. All I've ever done is sales outbound. I was that kid growing up that it was my dream to be a salesperson. I thought the briefcase traveling the world was so great. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I got two kiddos, you know, built and scaled SDR teams, been in a full sales cycle rep, discovered SDR world. And I just stayed there. It was great for me. I really enjoyed it. I loved that experience of making a cold call to nobody who knows nothing about you and getting them to say yes. And then watching that become a closed deal, knowing like the people you were talking to every day. I'd go to dinners with friends and be like, I talked to the VP of marketing over here at this company today. And it was just cool for me. Um, 
And now uh, I started my own company that I had dreamed about doing. Uh, it's called the SD Lab, which stands for the Sales Development Lab, basically. And what we do now is we help organizations that are looking to build, scale, or optimize their outbound function. A lot of founders don't know what they're doing. It's not their arena. They love their baby, their product, but now they got to go outbound. They make mistakes. They just kind of don't have that roadmap. And I've been doing this a long time. I've built and scaled teams that were very repeatable, very successful. I know that playbook, right? What is really important, how to get that motion running. And now we're doing appointment setting services done for you. So now we're helping to outsource that. And, you know, you want the seasoned professionals to come in, put down the, the cold calls for you. That's what we're doing. And why we're doing that and why I fell in love with this is that, Larry, you know, I just love to help people. Truly, from the bottom of my heart, it genuinely is my act of service is kind of my love language. I love gifting. I love supporting people. And it just brings me joy. And as a VP of sales last year, kind of watching founders getting tapped into the LinkedIn sales world, I just saw founders are just great cooks in the kitchen. They can create a great meal, but they don't know how to turn it into a business and actually build that business dream. They're always working in it. They're doing founder-led sales. And I just want to take 16 years of experience and take that 12-month learning curve and bring it down to 90 days and say, look, bring in an expert. I'll help you pick your process, your tech. I'll help you enable your people. You're not burning and turning SDRs. You're not looking for this founder rep to kind of build this motion for you. I will build it for you. And then collectively together, we can employ that system so it works. Or you don't want that headache, let us. Like, interesting fact, if you don't know, I've made over 500,000 cold calls in 16 years. Per the data, per the stuff that all I've ever done is outbound. I don't know what inbound is like. I've worked mid-market, SMB. I've worked enterprise. And I made 500,000 cold calls. And so I know what I'm doing, right? I'm very seasoned in it. That's why I was honored to be here with the show and kind of talk to people about it because cold calling's changed. Um, but that's why I do it. I just want to help people get back to working on their business instead of in their business and, and reach that dream of getting those meetings on their calendar in a way that is qualified, building those relationships and getting those, those deals closed, not just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and just hoping something sticks or the spray and pray way that we were all so used to for so long, how to be very strategic, you know, iron out your buyer persona, all those great things you got to do. So that's the who, what, why, and, and why I'm here today. And I'm very excited to be chopping it up with you, man. Man, the feeling is mutual. And wow, you just dropped so much to unpack and we're going to get to it. But after the who, what, and why, I got a little segment called Spill the Tea. And you shared, I could tell you just lit up when you talked about your family. And I saw a little birdie, actually one of little birdie was LinkedIn, told me that your six-year-old Bella recently lost a tooth. Now, I know you got Bella, you got 12-year-old Adam, who's out there yep. getting his riz on. Talk to me about the importance of family for you. It's everything to me. And I don't want to take it down too much of a curve, but, you know, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have the mom, the dad, you know, I have five sisters, but it was kind of broken. You know, I just was raised by my grandparents on my dad's side and never had that dynamic of a brother, sister, you know, mom and dad, that nice home. My wife does. Right. And she got that. She has a brother. Mom and dad are still together. They're all rocking. And it just means everything to me to, to be that dad for my son. You know, we have our moments, obviously, I'm that strict dad, I'm, you know, on him, but I, I get it now. I demand excellence from him. I want him to be 
it's cool to, to want to see somebody be very happy at who they are. I had a dream for my son. I did football, sports, all that great stuff. And for a while he was into it. Then he started drifting from it. Now he's a gamer. He's into liberal arts. He just told me he's getting into the debate club and drama club. And I was like, okay. He's like, dad, I'm doing it. I was like, oh, debate club. Who are you? But yeah, let's get into it. Um, and my family's everything. My wife is my rock. She has the person you see today is, is from her. We've been together 13 years and she put a lot of work into this dude. Like she takes the credit, like she put in the work. She has molded, she has groomed um, and, and been there for me. And, and then her family taking me kind of in as their own. And so it's what fuels me every day to show up with positivity, showing up, always looking to move forward in every step um, and do everything I can to where they always are fulfilled. I try to balance. The hardest part is the kind of the work-life balance. It, it sometimes feels I'm not giving enough to my business because I would love to go dark for like seven days and be a single guy and just go all in. But I balance, right? I take my breaks. Every night we have family dinner. That is a non-negotiable for me. I sit down at the table. We say our dinner prayer and we eat together. My son hates it. He'd rather be up in his room playing his games. But I'm like, look, this is our time just for a minute to just hang out, you know? Um, and it just means everything to me. It's what fuels me because those are my ride or dies at the end of the day. LinkedIn, I have great friends, homies. I have the, that circle, but those people have to put up with me every day. They're the ones that see the tears in the shower and then the happy smile five minutes later at the dinner table, you know? Um, so they, they daughter losing her tooth. She celebrated a hundred days in kindergarten. Uh, and on that day, she went to brush her teeth, knocked the big old fat middle tooth right out. Got a cute little lisp. And if you haven't seen my kids, go look on LinkedIn and like there are mini me's. It's really weird. My daughter is a spitting image of her mother, and then my son is a spitting image of me. It's really crazy, but there there are babies, you know. And my son's 12, he's got all the riz in the world. He thinks he's Mr. Hotshot now. And my daughter films herself, she's becoming a little creator. We got all these videos that are just be like tuning in live from USA and like you were here, and she loves to be on camera, and it's just it fills my heart. It fills my heart, my cup, because I didn't get that growing up. Um, so now I'm the fun uncle. I'm the fun dad because I like spoiled him really bad. My wife hates it um, because active services and gifting are just my thing. And so we can't go to the store without my kids walking out with something of some sort. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, look, I didn't get that stuff. Like my kids deserve everything they want. Um, and I want to enable them to have, you know, the best course of life forward and whatever that may be. All I want is that true dream of, are they happy? Are they comfortable with who they are? Are they validated and secured in who they are? Regardless of what society puts on them, they're good. Because that is something I've watched all of us as adults kind of deal with. And I don't want that. I just want them to be happy and enjoy. And if my son doesn't play sports or this and that, like, are you waking up every day fulfilled? Then let's rock, man. I'm here. Dad gotcha. Oh, I love it. And thank you for grounding us in keeping your main thing your main thing. And I could tell how you lit up just speaking about your family. Thank you. Now, you are touching the globe. We've got Uche. Thank you so much, Uche. Uh, Uche, I love that man. Nigeria. Oh, my goodness. Love <laughs> it. We got L-Dub Langston. Looking forward to your insights, Tom. Ooh, we are in for something special today. Now, I've got 10 questions. i got my top 10. But to our Ooh, listeners right. and our viewers, 
bring it on. This is for you. What specific questions do you have for Tom? We'll make sure that he answers them. But hey, I want I want to get started. You mentioned something that's just staggering. You've made over five hundred thousand. I, I can't even add up that much. Five hundred thousand cold calls. What, what what have you learned from all those daggone calls, Tom? Man, uh, it's crazy when I think about it to make a half a million um, over my career. And that's from SMB, mid-market to enterprise, um, all different verticals, you know, Yelp, GoDaddy to reputation management services to SDR boot camps, all that stuff, right? And financial services. And the one thing, there, there's a couple, there's three things. Number one, your tone is always going to be the number one thing be excited to address your calls the body language that you bring and the way that you deliver what you say makes all the difference in the world i could say anything and everything as long as i bring the larry long junior energy to that call right like don't answer if they answer and be like hi you know is john there hey john are you there it's tom over at the sd lab how are you right how have you been People feel that, right? They come in, they get excited. They're willing to talk to somebody that can bring that emotional uh, pull from them, right? Because the only tool we have is, is our voice in the phone. There is no body. There's, there's nothing else you get. That is all you have because they don't see you. But you have to realize your body language brings a big part into it. And the way that your tone is, is it's going to elevate that longevity of that call or break it within the first five seconds. The other two things are really the pause. I was, when I first started cold calling, man, I was, I get lost in it and I would just word vomit. I would spew, I'd get through my script or what I needed to say. And then after like 30, 45 seconds, the person would be like, yo, that's not me or this and that, or just hang up on me middle of the sentence because I just rambling. And it took me some time, but I learned the pause really slowing down, Using the pause as your best friend. Hey, Larry, you know, I'm calling for this. And then just kind of stop for the two seconds and then go into your next piece because it allows your prospect to process what's going on in the conversation and even get that chance to respond, right? And get in that conversation and maybe cut you off and say, hey, actually, Larry, I'm not the guy you should be speaking to. You know, you're barking up the wrong tree. Now you didn't waste five minutes of their time before they even got a word in. Um, so pausing your tone and then like shutting up when you ask a question so i'm really still to this day pretty still growing in this but like over explaining something or when you ask a question you're adding five other things to that question ask the question and shut up i had a sticky note on my desk in one of my first early sales jobs that literally said shut up because my boss was like dude you've got to stop if you ask them a question ask it and let there be silence and just let that pause come in and let them, and if they don't answer, just hang out for a second, right? A little bad advice of like, whoever's first to talk loses kind of approach, but it was like, you know, give them that minute or just say the question and shush. Larry, what are you doing in your outbound process? If they have questions, they need more information, they have follow-up, they're going to ask it. You don't have to be like, so Larry, what's your outbound process? Are you doing X, Y, Z? Like, all this extra stuff on that then like you've asked three questions and they're like well what did you want to know tom and i'm like cool direct question larry 
What are you doing in your cold calling today that's different than anyone else is SDR team is doing today? And then I would mute my phone. The mute button is your best damn friend. Put it on. And if you still have to talk or you want to interrupt the person or add your colorful commentary, put the mute button on, right? And make sure it's really on. <laughs> There's been moments where you hit it and then you say something and they're like, what'd you just say? And you're like, nothing, <laughs> moving on. Make sure it's on, but like do that if you have to, to just say the question and stop. Then if you need to add color while they're talking, you can hit that mute button. But like, that's what I've learned. And the fourth and final thing is people are people just have a conversation. Like people get so scared of cold calling and so wrapped up in it. LinkedIn gets them so terrified of it or, and we'll dive into it because I know cultures have changed a little bit with the, the newer sellers of how to adjust the phone, you know, go to the cold call versus what we were raised in. So I know times are changing, but it's just people. It's just people on the other line. You're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some. It's just continuing to put into practice. I always call, like consider it like a you, you had your baseball bat. I always give the baseball analogy. Best baseball player, you know, hits a 300 average in the Hall of Fame, right? That means 30% of the time they make contact with the ball and get on base, a home run, something. 70% of the time they get nowhere. Strikeouts, pop flies, no progression to the game, but they have to keep showing up to the plate. Next time they come up in the lineup, they can't tell coach, hey, Larry, I'm good. I'm 0 for 3 today. I'm just going to sit back. You could go ahead and put John in. Coach is going to be like, what are you doing, dude? Get up. It's your turn. Come with a new eagerness and a fresh mindset and, and, and slow down. Read the pitches. Be aware of what's coming. You know, and so I always tell co-callers that and callers, like, be ready at all times. Learn the pitches. There's going to be curveballs. There's going to be, you know, uh, knuckleballs. There's going to be fastballs that just come at you hard, right? But as you put in the practice, look at some of the best baseball players. They start reading the pitches and can pick up on the cues and be like, all right, Larry, about every third pitch is kind of the throws in this, you know, knuckleball. I got this this time. And you start getting better and more cautious around when to take that swing and when not to take that swing. Um, and then more often than not, you'll start, you know, connecting and, and getting on base one, one pitch at a time. Ooh, you just dropped you just dropped the mic right there, Tom. That that was that was amazing. Now I, I got a question for you. Are you are you standing up right now? Oh, I I feel the only way I do it. Damn, you you I gotta uh, bring the energy, bro. The body language. Cause you just dropped it with the energy. You dropped it in terms of how you say it, your tone, the power of the pause. I love how you shared. Sometimes you gotta hush. And I'm guilty of this, asking a question. And then I keep going and it's like, did you ask the question because you want my answer? Or do you just wanna hear yourself speak? <laughs> guilty as charged. And I love that perspective <laughs> that you shared that people are just people. Let's have the conversation. So I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the most because you're working with cold callers, what are some of the most common misconceptions about cold calling that you encounter? My favorite one is that people always consider it intrusive. <laughs> it always riles me up when people are like, you know, you call and it's intrusive. You're calling my personal line, you're calling my cell phone. And I'm like, look, there is a decline and an accept button. I would agree if it's intrusion, if the phone automatically answered anytime you got a call. Could you imagine that? Like anytime the phone rang, it automatically answered. 
Now that's intrusion because I didn't select that, right? I didn't ask for that. But the fact is, it's just as simple as just ignoring the call or letting it go on, right? Um, and so it's not intrusive. And I think SDRs automatically get themselves beat from the get-go because where their mental brain is already at, right? It's like a Kobe Bryant mentality, a mama mentality of like, don't already beat yourself because your mind isn't right or you're already tackling it in a way from a discouraging standpoint or a failure point or God, they're not going to want to talk to me. Gosh, everybody's going to be so mad at me when I call. Stop that noise. You're going to bring that. You're going to attract that energy. And so, yeah, as soon as you pick up the phone, that first one's going to hit you right, right in the chin and you're going to be already annoyed, right? So it's not intrusive. You're, you're doing, it's almost like a disservice, right? To not go out there and, and want to help people. Um, I also think that's the other misconception is that cold calling, the only goal of cold calling is to book a meeting. I think it's BS. I think it's silly. I think that there's so much more to the power of cold calling than only focusing on an outcome driven, you know, uh, uh, scenario, right? Even when I was building my business, you know, this Larry, like when I was building my business, the first 90 days, I had as many phone calls and conversations as I possibly could, not with the intent to get a meeting booked, but the intent to learn and understand. And we have a very, really cool opportunity. And I tell SEO this all the time, on average in a good week, maybe you're talking to five to 30 people a week in the role that you were pursuing, okay? I talk to founders. So I'm talking to five to 30 founders a week. Learn from that, man, because other people are in a bubble, right? So a VP of marketing in their role is only internal. Maybe they're going outside their circle. Maybe, maybe they're on LinkedIn. Maybe they got a circle that they go in, but most often they're on their own Island and they're operating from internally in their company. What works? You get to come in with a fresh perspective and say, Larry, I actually just talked with Jill, another VP of marketing. She's working on Z right. Or Y over here. I see you guys are kind of operating at C. Why is that? And then shut up. And they're like, wait, I, what do you mean on Z? I, I thought we were on C, like we're over here. And it's like, no, man, people are over here on L and O and they're way further along from the conversations I'm having. Or, hey, Larry, from other VPs of marketing, they're telling me right now that this is a really big priority for them. Not necessarily what we're servicing right now, but this is something they're dealing with. Are you in that same boat? Because the idea is to be helpful. Be a consultative sale, not a sell the seller. Be consultative learn from the calls you're having. If you get a connect, take advantage of that crap. Like, why wouldn't you? You've been sitting there for three, four hours, maybe waiting for a connect. You get one, they immediately hit with you the rejection and you're immediately hanging up. Why are you so eager to get back to the voicemails and the dial tones? Like, talk to them, embrace it and say, cool, maybe this isn't for you right now, but why I do have you, Larry, I, I think you could really help me and I can help you. What are you focused on right now? What is keeping you up at night? Or what is it that maybe someone in my network might be an intro that I can give you that maybe is something you're looking for. So it's a little bit more relevant or, Hey, you know what? I know it's not a now, now, now thing, but I'll leave you with this tip real quick, Larry, another VP of marketing actually just unlocked this in, in kind of their concept. They're trying out this, this little lever. Have you thought about doing that? No, I haven't. Well, why don't you do that? And maybe we could touch base in about two weeks and I'd love to see how it goes for you guys. Maybe it could, you know, pick up the volume for you and your, you know, pay-per-click or your ads or whatever you're focused on. Now you're building trust, credibility, and a funnel. You're, you're always selling. You're always should have a buzzing pipeline 
to where you always know where you can pull a lever to get maybe that next meeting or that next progression in an account. And that all happens from advantage of every call, learn from it. As a founder, when I was first in this, I learned from every call of where my pitch was going wrong, what people really wanted to hear. I'd call people out and say, look, I failed this pitch really bad. What would it sound like if it, if it would get your attention? Well, Tom, I need to hear this. Like if you came in and had done that, I probably would have given you the call. And guess what? More times than not, I can, I can turn that into a meeting, right? I'll be like, oh, okay. We talk it out. And next thing you know, we're just having a conversation. And now they're booking on my calendar. And they're like, how'd that happen? Right? So I, I, I think just stopping from that, hey, cold calling is meant to book a meeting. It is not meant to book a meeting. It is meant to go to market proactively and learn from it. Because in those calls and enriching those calls and conversations, you bring collateral and intel back to your marketing. Now they know what type of collateral they should be making. Sometimes they're just throwing a PDF out just for fun because they need to make one. And the content doesn't really drive that, 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 those, that engagement. Give them what they should make. Hey, Larry was talking with a couple of leaders this week. They would really love a five-step guide on how they could build a first call, you know, a call first culture. Can we spin something up like that? Yeah, we got you, Tom. A week later, you got a, five, a one pager on five things for a company to do to, to launch a cold calling culture. Now you use that in your funnel and say, hey, I know it's not a night right now, but check out this resource. Two weeks later, they're emailing you back because now they have a cold calling culture. Their reps are putting up the numbers and they're like, dude, you help me. What else could you do for me then? If you help me there, what else could you do? And you elevate that. Ooh, that that's powerful right there. And, and you're dropping it like it's hot. Uche said, thank you, Tom, for spreading your wisdom. We got Angelo dialing in. Salud from Atlanta. Ooh, the phone lines are absolutely buzzing. Now, you mentioned this. You kind of glossed over it a little bit. I want to <laughs> dig into it. You've been around this industry. You've been around this game. It ain't a game for a while. I'm curious, in your view, how has the landscape of sales development changed especially in recent years we went through a global pandemic yeah. stuff but from your perspective how has it changed there's there's a few things you know i started in 2007 back then in in some of the industries you know SCRing wasn't like a super common thing you kind of just had full cell cycle reps like i didn't discover the SDR role until like 2015 Right. So for almost eight years of my career, I almost have a decade of full sales cycle experience before I even got a decade of, you know, SDR land. Right. So it's kind of cool to have both edges. But it was, you know, you did it all. Um, you were cold calling, you were landing the meetings and then you'd close them. And, and then it got kind of, you know, separated and they're like, OK, let's get a dedicated role for this and then let's get this AE in here. Um, and I think that, you know, back then there was a lot of scripting. There was a lot of, you know, here's the script, follow that. You'd get a whole training book and you just get thrown in. The other thing is you should just get thrown in. There wasn't really a major global scale of enablement or full training. It was just like, here's what we do. Here's the product overview. You're just going to go out to rip the bandaid and we're going to see if you either sink or swim and we'll let the manager kind of iron out stuff as you get into it. And so you'd have like a class of 25 that would come in and only seven would make it. That's why you always had training classes like every couple months because you'd only get a few to actually stick out of that. Now in 2024, you see enablement. You see AI tools coming in to create simulators to let reps do the practice so they're not practicing on the prospect anymore. 
man, we used to prospect. We used to practice on the prospect every day. There was no such thing. Like you just had to go do it. Now it's like, oh, whoa, that's really bad. What are you doing? Like, no, 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 no. Let's get you in, in, in some role plays or in a simulator first with some AI before you go out and kind of rep our brand and maybe burn, you know, some roads first. So you see that kind of enablement space now where SDRs are really getting kind of powerful and, and, and enabled and empowered um, in a different way. You also see the biggest one we could just call out because everybody knows is spray and pray to now a more targeted approach. So now you're seeing the downsides of SDR teams. You're not having 100 on a squad anymore. You're having 25, but they're specialists. They're very, very locked in and they're doing the work of what that 100 used to do. You see email now being punished, right? Spam, man, COVID, you've talked about it. The global, like the global pandemic sped up the thrashing of email. Very bad. It was never this bad ever. I've been in this game since 2007. Email always was working. You could just kind of load a list and you were getting responses. Things worked. That's gone. gone. Like you do that now. Good luck. You're getting a 2% reply rate. They're not even really responding to you. The email fatigue is so real. That's why, you know, get back to the phones, right? Because all these, and I told you we'd bring this up is, you know, me and you, we, we embraced the phone because we were forced to growing up. I had to call my mom, my, my friend's mom on a, on a phone on the wall and have that conversation, right? Like you had to call your doctor literally physically on the phone to get that, that meeting or whatever. Now we live in a day and age where everything is online. Everything is self-service. Everything is through DMs, texting, social DMs. Like nobody uses the phone like that anymore. And so now you have to be very strategic and calling people and you, and, and these kids are, you know, even myself, like you get fearful now to call on the phone. Nobody's doing it. They'd rather sit behind LinkedIn, do some social selling, try to go these other avenues, product led growth. You know what? We're not even going to have a sales team. Just buy the product and do it yourself. Like it's all good. Um, you know, and then you have everybody just leaning into email. Cool. Let's just personalize email and just send people emails and that way for eight hours, we don't really have to be on the phone. And unfortunately, you're seeing that worked for a little bit. And now that's kind of struggling. And now the more teams I talk to, the more SDRs I talk to behind the scenes of the LinkedIn bubble and all of that, they're like, dude, it's not working. It really isn't like, I'm not seeing the open rates I used to get my responses, even if I do personalize and put all this together, it's not getting it. It's not hitting because every VP of marketing or any persona you're going out to every morning, as soon as they wake up, there's already 65 emails in their inbox. You're already lost, my friend. Like you're, you're trying to be a red X in a sea of blue circles, right? You have to be different. So your subject lines have to be very catching, but short. There's all these things where cut all that noise out and pick up a phone. You're getting right to the source, right? You're able to call Larry directly or leave that voicemail. Larry, how, let me ask you this, Larry. In your day, you wake up in the morning. How many emails do you think you have just to start the day unread in your inbox real quick? Stop, Tom. You're giving me a migraine just thinking about it. Two million. I'm inbox zero. I'm more like inbox one million. <laughs> How many voicemails do you wake up to or have on your phone at a, on a given day? Voicemail? What's that? <laughs> right? So that's the point, right? Is even when I was a VP of sales last year for five months, I, I told people this, I was a VP of sales for a, a company for five months. 
And in that five months, I had three cold calls and I had over 125 emails wow. and I had three phone calls. And in those three phone calls, only one person would leave me a voicemail. The rest would just continue diet, blind dialing me every couple of days. The only deal I worked with was the person that cold called me. I didn't answer the first time, which now is kind of the trend. Nobody's going to answer your first one. I'm going to tell you all that right now. you got an 80% chance of not getting that first connect. But respectfully leave that voicemail. And don't leave that voicemail to sell, pitch, anything. Larry, it's Tom at the SD Lab. No need to call me back. I got an email coming your way in your inbox. It's going to be titled Larry Tom. Please look at that. I'd really like to hear your thoughts and if this is something up your avenue. If not, I'll give you a call in about two days, but this is my number. Now, when I call again, Larry's a little bit more prone and a little, that, 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 that success rate goes up just a little higher because now Larry knows that number. Yeah, do I have the risk of him blocking me immediately? Sure. If, if you're scared, again, if you go into it with failure, you go looking for that stuff, it's going to happen to you. Don't worry about that. Treat it as such that you're looking to help. The next time I call Larry, he's going to see that number come up and be like, that was Tom. I remember that guy. Let me, do I have a minute right now? I do. Let me, let me talk to him. And you're either going to tell me yes or no, because you don't want me to call again. Now I've done my due diligence and you're like, look, Tom, I got your voicemail, man. Really appreciated that. This isn't a thing for me right now. Or, Hey, yeah, I got like two minutes. I did have one question on what you sent over. What do you guys do? I, I'm looking at tools. This is all I need to know. Can you do this function? I can. Cool. Let's get on the calendar. It just helps. So just leave a little bit more voicemails than you normally would. And now with transcribe and all of that, like they don't even have to listen to it. It's just quick, 30 seconds or less. No one minute, no crazy dancing through the hoops, no trying to bait and switch of acting like a customer or a prospect to them. Be real, Tom, at the SD lab, I, I'm going to shoot you an email or, hey, Larry, I'm going to shoot you a quick personalized video on something I wanted to run you through. I'm going to shoot that over onto your LinkedIn. If you can look for that, I'll give you a call in a couple of days to hear your thoughts. Talk soon. Use it to my, to, to drive them to that sea of noise and give them direction because otherwise you're like, yo, I sent you an email. Give me a call. I, I don't, I, I don't know what that is. And now you're putting the burden on them to go dig in their inbox, do a search for Tom Slocum, like all that work that is unnecessary. And the number one rule I tell people is take the burden off your prospects in every email in every touch point, stop making them work. Treat them like a five-year-old that like, dude, I've got so much in my day. If you write me a call to action that says, Larry, how are you uh, tackling your outbound right now when it comes to, you know, the social selling with the team? Now you've asked Larry to stop midday if he does happen to open that. And what's Larry going to do? Write out an entire novel to you and say, so, uh, we deployed a weekly training last week. Uh, we're doing this, uh, you know, and, and spilling all of that. Would you do it? Probably not. No. You're moving on to the email. You know, you're like, oh, too much work. But if that call to action is very quick, where it's like a, a, a 30 second, like in an Uber ride, right? And it's like, yo, I'm going to my next meeting or whatnot. And I can just simply reply one to two words to keep that conversation going. Cool. Then I get more replies that way when it's a way less ask and burden of the prospect. Or again, don't ask them to call you back. Dude, no, I've been doing this for 16 years. I can count on my hands and my toes how many actual callbacks I've probably gotten. It's just irrelevant. Nobody's going to be like, oh, I need to call this person. It's one in a blue moon, right? So just remember, take that burden off of them and, and find a way to enable them to make it easy and help them, um, you know, in finding that success. Woo!
Ooh, that's powerful right there. And we've definitely been through some changes. L Dub Langston said, ha, my first sales gig, they threw me a phone book and told me your prospect. <laughs> that's what it was, man. John, I've always told my team loud, clear, and confident, and speak at the pace of those you are speaking with. Reiterating what you shared earlier. Now, Tom, I appreciate you talking about the changing landscape. I'm curious because you've seen it all. You've seen the good, the bad, the indifferent, the great. What are some of the key skills that individuals who want to have success, that want to excel in sales development, if they want to be the key uh, lab lab uh, lab statistician in the SD lab, what are some of those skills that folks need to, to, to cook it up from what you've seen? Time management, number one. Um, you know, you have... There's a lot thrown at a FDR every day. Meetings, jumping on the demo to introduce the AE, the research, the, the data, all these things. And the, the best reps I've seen have a plan every day. They iron it out. They're not winging it. They're not just coming in every day, opening up and starting with their email and just kind of seeing what a day takes them from there. Maybe they'll do these calls. Things fall through the cracks. They're not hitting all of their verticals. The manager's like, look, this lead hasn't been touched in over eight days. What are we doing? All that stuff happens. So the number one thing is time management. And I recommend calendar blocking. It's a big thing. A lot of the top percenters will tell you to do it. Iron out, you know, write down your week-to-week list of the things that are non-negotiable that you have to do every day, the other things you'd like to get to, and then block those all out on your calendar with color coordination so your brain will separate them, right? If you've got to call healthcare three times a week, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the morning. Rotate them, move them around, build those blocks. So that way, when one action stops, you know exactly where to go next. If you get interrupted with a meeting, you're not coming out of that meeting and waiting 15 minutes to get back to it because you kind of go to the kitchen, you call a friend, you go do this. You know exactly what next step you're walking into. You're like, oh, I was calling my healthcare. Let me get back to that. So time management is always going to be the number one. Um, I think another one is be willing and have the skill and the passion to want to do things outside of your eight hour day. I don't know if it's a skill or what you would call it, I guess grit, maybe something like that, but do the stuff in the shadows, do the stuff after hours, pre-prep your next day. Do you want to research and get better at talking the language of your buyer after hours, go dig into that stuff, go find the water holes of where your buyers are, go study their space, because again, just because you're an SDR, that's not your skill set. That, that's just a skill set, the SDR. That's not who you are every day. You should be wearing the hat of your prospect every day. If I work at a reputation management company, I'm an SDR for that, but I'm actually a reputation management person. And I need to understand that world. And I need to get equipped in understanding my product, how it actually helps, understanding the, the pains, challenges, and goals of my buyer persona. So again, I can have that consultative sale. I get on the phone with Larry, I'm one-to-one -one with you. I know your world. I'm not kind of guessing or pulling out of my hat what I think you're going through. I know it because I live in it and I've, and I've learned to have a passion for it. I tell SDRs, find a job or a space that you genuinely, regardless of the job, love that space. For me, it was SEO and website and the internet for a very long time. 
So I was in rep management and GoDaddy and Yelp and advertising. Like those were the things I loved that regardless of me being a sales rep, I actually just liked the conversations because I was learning and I had fun. I was asking questions. I was curious. And that allowed me to book a lot more meetings than my peers and actually have five to 10 minute conversations on the regular because I did that stuff after hours and really embraced the space. If you don't have that, you're going to, you're, you're not going to love what you do and it's going to show in your outreach and the way you're on the phone. Um, another skill, natural curiosity, again, just be curious, learn how to embrace that skill, practice it. When you're talking with your friends, ask more questions, practice that, ask that extra follow-up question to go a little bit deeper. Larry says, Oh, I'm going to baseball this weekend to, you know, go with the, the, the peewee league and get them going. Cool. Tell me about that, Larry. What do you like about that? Why did you choose that career? Oh, I just love being around the kids. I love the sport of baseball. Where did that come from? Where did that love come from? Oh, they, now we're getting deeper and deeper. And as you're speaking, eventually that opportunity is going to come up to where I can position myself and be like, Larry, everything you've said is exactly why I called you, man. A lot of people we talk to just has a, a true passion for growing the kids in the role. They take it beyond just the game of baseball. They want to teach them the game of life. We have a curriculum that we actually put together for these junior league coaches that will help them in those skills. Would you be interested in seeing more about that? I would. Now I've gotten there with that natural curiosity versus, hey, Larry, this is Tom with so-and-so. We have a program for coaches like you, you know, to just show kids how to develop in a skill of life. Yeah, dude, I, I don't have the passion for the sport like that. I'm all good. I'm just doing this as a side gig, but thanks so much. Have a great day. Right? Way different type of conversation when you bring curiosity into it. And if you could practice that eagerness to want to learn more in every interaction, you'll win further. Um, and so like, those are kind of my three that I would say, you know, if, if you want to be that top one percenter in the, the top of the funnel, focus on that, those three skills. And I promise you, you'll find enjoyment going to work every day, regardless of what's thrown at you, your bad manager, your bad territory, your bad, whatever it may be. You'll just generally love coming to work and enjoying what you do. Oh, that's powerful. Curiosity might have killed the cat, but it certainly <laughs> helped the sales professional. I love what you said and how you phrased it. Do work in the shadows. For my folks in the back that might not understand what he's saying, you got to practice. You got to put in the work outside of the normal business hours. And then you nailed it with your number one calendar blocking and time management. Now I'm gonna do something that they tell us we should never do. They say you shouldn't stack questions, but I'm a rebel with a cause. <laughs> I'm gonna stack questions. Yeah, you I'm are. Go. I've got two questions for you. Number one, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received regarding sales, cold calling, lead generation? And then I wanna turn it around. What have you received? And then I want you to turn around and what advice would you share with our listeners, with our viewers that want to have success in sales development? What advice would you share with them? So number one, best advice that you receive. Number two, what advice are you going to give to our listeners and viewers? The best advice I ever got that really helped me push my career was be a strong number two for the number one. And what that means is a lot of people tend to not want to do the extra work unless they're going to get paid for Like they want to be an AE. 
but they're not going to do the work of an AE until they get the pay of an AE. Then it's already too late. You're already kind of behind the curve, yeah. right? You want to be a manager, but you don't want to start doing managerial things until you get the title and the role. And what I learned was, you know, the behind every number one, remember there's a number two that made number one look good, right? Look at Michael Jordan, best Hall of Famer, the GOAT, but his number two was Pippen. Pippen lifted him, right? You look at, you know, Tom Brady, he was the best number two he could be to Belichick, right? And he showed up. He didn't wait to be a coach. He didn't wait for the, the net tap on the shoulder. He showed up to support Bill and whatever Bill needed. And Bill took care of Tom, right? And so when you realize that and you start going to work every day to find out how you could be the best number two to those around you that are number one, before you know it, you start getting tapped on the shoulder for things. Your career starts changing. People start coming to you. And the other advice in that was if you're up for a promotion, or you want that promotion, always think about you're ready. You're ready for that promotion when you know that if you were to get it today and all of a sudden you were that, that team lead, that manager, that AE, would people respond in the internal company? Oh man, Tom got that. That's so lame. Why did Tom get it? Like it should have went to this person or uh, Tom doing it really? Or do you want people to be like, well, yeah, Larry, I thought you were already the manager. What do you, like, that's awesome, dude. Congratulations. Like, I thought you were, you weren't in that role. Oh, I didn't know that. Or like, yeah, like that's how you have to look at it. Right. So my best advice is when I stopped kind of being selfish or so focused on me and fighting for the manager role, I got told no a lot in my career because I was always so eager. And I thought after like three months of putting up numbers, I was ready. And I'm very grateful now. A lot of them said no to me. But when I started learning how to just do those things before I was asked and just put in that work and find those around me, how can I help you? Hey, Larry, I see you're kind of struggling lately on the numbers on, you know, your, your email reply rates. How can I help you? You know, is there anything I could do for you? Do you want to run some of your emails by me? How can I support you? Hey, John, you know, my manager looks like you've been putting in a lot of late nights, man. Is there anything I could take off the plate? I would love to learn reporting or learn how to do the dashboards. You know, I'm open to that. And then you start doing that stuff and you become a really great number two. That's how you'll progress. And so that was like something that really stuck with me forever uh, and changed my career for the better. So where then most every job I went to, I started getting that higher level stuff and getting more responsibility. And then I became irreplaceable also because now I knew so much. It wasn't just a SDR or this one role. It was like, if a layoff came, I just got moved to a different role. I didn't get laid off. I just got moved because I could do those other roles. Or, you know, a, a team member would go down, I got looked at. Hey, can you take on the weight of that? Like, that's that's my advice is be a good number two to a number one. And whoever that number one is for you, find a way to make them always shine and look good. And you put in that stuff or take stuff off their plate. I promise you, when those promotions come around, those people in the room, when they're saying, hey, who should we bring up? Tom, Tom, hey, you should look at Larry. Hey, Larry, Larry's been doing this work for, months and you guys don't know it but he's been closing deals on the side on a smaller deal cycle for like the last six months he's ready now you're ready to get right into the role and everybody's like oh yeah i thought you were already doing that that's that's great for you yeah, now that's powerful for the advice that i would give uh to anybody you know in sales in general right now um i know it sounds so cliche and so silly but if you can 
put in your mind the analogy is how to be the Alfred to Batman for your prospects and your salespeople or the people you're reaching out to. Batman was awesome. Again, going kind of back to number two to number one thing, Batman always had big giants to take on and he always killed it, showed up for Gotham, but everybody forgets the fact of how did he do that? There was Alfred in the cave. Alfred put together the tech. He would figure out the strategy and map things out and then give Batman the plan and then Batman will go execute. And so how can you do that for your prospects? How can you be their Alfred to their Batman? What is their Goliath? What is their dragon? And how can you help them slay that regardless of what that outcome looks like for you? Because as we all know, Alfred just hung out, never asked for a thing, never wanted more, never was trying to be like, well, let me go out there and help you, right? He brought in Robin when he could have just employed Alfred maybe, right? But he brought in a whole nother guy. Like, but Alfred just did what he did to make sure Batman was always cared for and supported. And so my advice for you is be that homie, be that Alfred to your, to the, your Batmans and find ways in your touch points. People are always like, how do I build a 15 touch point cadence for a prospect? You're thinking at it wrong. You think every email should be a sell. So of course you can't build that. You think you're gonna get annoying. But if you build a sequence where you're giving gives, and gives and gives, Hey, check out this podcast. Maybe this might be up your alley. Hey, did you see Larry's post the other day about this? Hey, I created this one pager for you on how you can remove this roadblock right now. Hey, you might be dealing with this because I talked to John over here. He was doing the same thing. I wanted to give this to you or anything you might be able to do, you know, to, to support them in that mission. You're going to find a lot more success in your sales funnel, a lot more meetings and deals coming out of those meetings. They're not just going to be meetings. They're going to turn into relationships for your company and they're going to turn into big wins because you're looking to help more than you are to sell. And that would be my advice is be the homie, be the Alfred to their Batman and uh, lift your prospects up, not push your product or agenda on them because that'll never work. Wow. That's powerful right there. And delivered like a true champ, your future homie in law. I, I see what you did there. <laughs> Oh, oh goodness. I love that slogan, man. That thing has popped off for me. Everybody's like, what is that? And it's, you know, for those listening, like your future homie-in-law or homie-in-law is kind of that crossover between, you know, you have your family, you're in, you know, your bond, then you have your friends, your best friends. This kind of merges that all into one where it's like your in-laws, right? Like they're not blood related and they're bitter than a, then they're bigger than a best friend. They're a homie-in-law. They're my homie-in-laws. Like we are locked in. This is the squad. Um, and I will be your future homie-in-law. Like we're in-laws, man. And uh, I'll, I'll be your friend and however I can support you. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, Tom, as we start to land the plane, I got another two questions for you. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? And also, what's that next phase of great for the SD Lab? I know you got it cooking up. Give us a little insight. What does what that next phase of great look like? Yeah, so obviously right down here below, find me on LinkedIn. I live and breathe there. Um, I've been on there for three years. It's my favorite. Shoot me some DMs. Be cautious. The DM box over there is just not great, but but it is my best, my, my best chance to get a hold of me. Um, and then you get familiar with my work because everything's there. Um, so LinkedIn um, is where I'll live and breathe. Follow me. Shoot me a voice memo big into voice memos. So shoot those. 
Um, and then, you know, what's next right now for the SV lab is, is really focusing on, you know, year one was all about the foundation, the process. I worked in the business. I built it from the ground up, figuring out what worked, what my services were going to be, you know, all the bumps and bruises to where now I'm really trying to look at scalability and, and getting to a point where I'm actually living my own playbook and what I teach companies to get to the point where I move into the CEO role. And I get my squad, I get some people coming in on the team to start delivering with the clients um, and take that on because things are cooking, things are great. Um, and that's the next step. Um, and then it's really just kind of, again, getting in the lab and figuring out what really is the, the number one focus of 2024 for sales leaders and companies and, and figuring out what I can offer there to fix that, right? And, and really testing that and talking with my clients and Hey, it's cool to have done for you or go through this stuff. But like, I want to move towards like productization of some things of like, again, what are those gives that you don't have to work with me, but if you come to the website or you come and interact with me, there's things that I can give you on lower entry points or no entry point at all that will help you build your emotion and doesn't require that full commitment to me. Right. Um, and so I'm trying to go into all of that and really get this to now be, a business business um and so that's what's cooking um delivering with clients with new innovative techniques we've been trying some really cool stuff voice memos has been at the top of the funnel trying to drop those now we're doing voice memos with like three bullet points played with that over some discussions with some folks because some people are like voice memos suck you can't read go back to them they get lost i might not be able to sit down and listen to them so now i'm trying a voice memo with like a three bullet recap so I dropped the voice memo and then just three bullets, like a couple words of like, this is what it is. This is why you should listen. And this is what you'll gain from it kind of approach. So right now I've actually just been in the creative phase. I'm actually kind of looking to fail at outbound and break some things and cook some things up to kind of keep fresh in the trenches. Cause I, I actually am a practitioner, right? Like it's 500,000 cold calls and counting. I'm every day making cold calls to founders. I'm every day working with my clients. I still do the work for the clients, right? Um, and so it's just like, like just figuring out where the landscape is going, man, and be innovative and find how I can really help these orgs elevate. Because it's cool to run the same playbook with four or five clients, but then they're all doing that. Then the next thing you know, your subject line's in everybody's inbox, your tactic is going everywhere. I'm trying to find things that are super creative to, to kind of go left field while everybody's going right right now. So I'm willing to do that. I got the safety zone for that. So I'm kind of testing in our own outbound, like where we can break some stuff um, and where we can do some things different. Back in 2020, I did cold FaceTime, right? Like I tried it. I made 50 of them. I booked like five to 10 meetings out of it. And it was interesting, right? To see, um, and Jed and the other guys were putting it out there as well. And, and that was something I did with my, my SDR team, right? And so just being willing to be fearless um, and cook some things up, I might release a program for SDRs, like a curriculum, um, just to get them up to speed. So there's a couple of things cooking, but it's all about elevating the space. How can I move it forward? How can I tr teach some fresh new perspectives versus the what everybody else is doing, which is the old repeat of stuff because they don't prospect anymore. They haven't been in the trenches anymore. They're just kind of regurgitating the same stuff. I'm very lucky to be a live practitioner and somebody with the experience. How can I kind of freshen it up a little bit? Tom. That's exciting. You got me excited. 
TB, Tommy talking about your future homie-in-law. We got Uche saying, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Tom, for sharing the most valuable information today. Tom, on behalf of the Cold Calling Podcast, our sponsor, Monster Connect, our viewers, our listeners across the globe, I can't thank you enough. And I'm super excited to see what you got cooking up because the future is oh so bright. You're in the lab, you're testing, you're trying, you're serving, just absolutely amazing. Mar uh, Marisol, thank you, Tom, for sharing your knowledge and energy. Just sincere thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's amazing episode number two of the Cold Calling Podcast. Tom Slocum is amazing. This is a quick reminder. Please make sure to join us next Wednesday. We'll see you Wednesday, January 24th. Same bat place, same bat time, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific, as we welcome the amazing Nikki Ivy. Let's Ooh. go. <laughs> so we wish you all the best. Happy selling. Go out there, smile, dial, and serve someone today and every day. We got to catch up. 500,000. The bar has been set. Woo. Let's go ahead and do it. Tom, thank you again. All the best, y'all. Peace. Peace. <laughs>